and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading we heard earlier in the book of Ephesians. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you do invite us into your presence to pray. That Christ, through his shed blood, has given us access to your throne. And Lord, you welcome us in to gladly hear our prayers and answer them according to your will. And now we pray this day, O oh Lord, that you would teach us to pray. And help us to trust in you no matter what circumstances we might be facing. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks ago in our morning devotions, I don't know if you know this, I hope you do, uh, every day we're doing morning devotions throughout the week uh, where Pastor Matt or myself and this week uh, Rachel's going to get to do it with like literally the hardest text in the whole Bible, so I can't wait, this is very exciting. Join us Wednesday, friends. Uh, but we do these morning devotions online, and then we email them out. And if you would like to get those, please let me know, and we can start sending them to you. But as we're doing these things, a number of months ago, we went through the book of Ephesians. And as we were working through this book, I was struck by something I hadn't really noticed or thought about before. I was really struck by the prayer that I found in that book. It is interesting to note, before we get into all this, it is interesting to note that Paul, the author of Ephesians, has really saturated this letter in prayer. The whole thing opens up with a prayer that he prays, and now at this point we're at literally like the halfway point of the text, and here at the midway point of the text we find Paul once again praying, praying for his beloved Ephesians. After this, in the next section, he's going to continually exhort the church to pray. I mean, prayer has saturated this book. Paul writes and then he prays, and then he writes and then he prays. I love that. It's actually a pretty good example for us in how we live our lives. We live and we pray, and we live and we pray, and I love that. But that's not what gave me pause. And that's not what caught me off guard. It wasn't that Paul was praying so much throughout the book of Ephesians. It wasn't that he prayed, but how he prayed. Because what I noticed as I was reading through these prayers is that Paul prays in a way that is very different from the way in which I find myself praying. I mean, think about this. How do you pray? What is it that you pray for? I was thinking about this because Paul is praying for these Ephesians, for this church that he loves, and I regularly pray for our church, and I regularly pray for those I love. In fact, I pray for my family every single day. And when I pray for my family, my prayers tend to sound like this. I pray for their health. I pray for their well-being. I pray that the kids uh, do well in school. I pray that they have success in life, that they grow up and have happy relationships. I pray these sorts of prayers for success and health and happiness. We might call these daily bread kind of prayers, prayers that have to do with their everyday lives. And these are good things. These are wonderful things to pray for. These are prayers that are pleasing to the ears of our Father. After, it all, after all, it is Jesus who tells us to pray for our daily bread. But what I noticed as I was reading through the book of Ephesians was that when Paul prays for the Ephesians, at least in our reading today, he doesn't pray for their daily bread at all. He doesn't pray for their health. He doesn't pray for them to be wealthy. He doesn't pray, really, for their physical well-being so much as he's focused on something that I think might be a little bit more important. He prays for their faith. He prays for them to trust more and more in Jesus. 
Listen again to how he prays. He prays that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant them to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in their inner being, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. He's praying that they would know Christ more, that they would be rooted and grounded in love and have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that they may be filled with the fullness of God. Those are beautiful things to pray for. And notice how he focuses in on the faith of the Ephesians. If we think about this prayer from Paul today, like in light of the Lord's prayer, we'll notice that Paul is focusing us in once again, uh, not so much just on the daily bread prayer, but the first part of the Lord's prayer. And we remember the first part of the Lord's prayer, right? Our Father who's in heaven. Hallowed be your name, let your kingdom come, let your will be done for us here on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Paul is praying for the Ephesians, that God's name would be hallowed among them, that his kingdom would come to them and his will would be done for them, that their faith, their love, their knowledge would be filled up with Jesus Christ. No matter what their circumstances might be with their daily bread. No matter what they might be facing in this life, good or bad, health or sickness, that they would know Christ in all of his fullness. And this just seems like a very important point to me, and maybe you're not like me in your prayers, uh, but this seems like an important point to me because for me, far too often, my prayers seem to be focused more on my circumstances than they are on Christ's promises. My prayers seem to be shaped more by my wants and my desires for what I think the ideal life should be, and not necessarily what Christ has called me, not necessarily what Christ has called my family. I tend to pray for my will to be done and not Christ's will. My demands I focus on, not his mercy. My laws, and not his God. Christ calls me very often and calls all of us, quite frankly, as his disciples, to take up a cross and follow him. And we say, yes, but Lord, please let me avoid the cross. I think sometimes we need to remember, at least I need to remember, that prayer is not so much a demand that we make to God to give us the ideal life. Prayer is not us rubbing a genie bottle and crying out to the great genie in the sky to make all of our wishes come true. And we know this. I think I say this a lot whenever I preach about prayer. Like, we know this. This is, this is an academic point that we all get. And then yet, I find myself still praying like it's not true, like he is the genie. What I think we need to remember is that prayer is that cry of faith that results from the promises of Jesus. Jesus who comes to us and says, I have given you access to the Father through my blood. There is nothing that can prevent you from going to the Father because all of your sins are washed away and now you are welcome into his throne room and he is there and he wants to hear from you. Prayer is the gift of access to the ear of the Father of all creation which Christ has purchased for us sinners with his own blood. See, too often I think Instead of starting with that when we go to pray, instead of focusing on the God who we pray to and the gracious reality that it is that we can't even pray, we allow our circumstances to guide our prayer. And our circumstances distract us, quite frankly, from the one we are praying to. 
Sometimes I think we look a lot like that guy who brought uh, his son to Jesus one day. Do you remember this account? He, there's a father who comes to Jesus with a demon-possessed son. And Jesus is just coming down the mountain from Transfiguration where he's talked to Moses and Elijah and the Father, and it's this wonderful experience. And he walks back down the mountain to see that his disciples are arguing with a bunch of other people. And so he kind of like, oh, here we go, walks into the meeting, and he says, okay, guys, what's the deal? Why is everybody arguing? And this man stands up and he walks to Jesus and he says, listen, I brought my son to be healed by your disciples and they couldn't do it. So then Jesus begins to engage him in this conversation. All right, well then what's going on with your son? Tell me the story here. And the son is demon-possessed. and He's actually at this moment now writhing on the ground as he's being attacked by a demon. And the father, just you can just see this, his eyes are fixed on his son and he's noticing the pain and the difficulty that he's going through. And he's so frustrated with the disciples that he goes to Jesus and says, listen, if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. But I'm not sure you can do anything. I'm just sort of running to you, hoping that things work out, knock on wood, make a wish on a star, and we'll see what happens. But if you can't do it, I'm going somewhere else where they can actually help me with my problem. This, I think, is sometimes how we pray. We're so focused on the bigness of our circumstances and the difficulties that we're facing, we figure God's not going to answer anyways. I can't handle this. He probably can't handle this either, so maybe I just need to find something else. It's at this point that Jesus needs to teach this man to stop wishing and to start praying. He does this by giving him a promise. First, he wakes him up and says, if you can, all things are possible for him who believes. For the one with faith, all things are possible. And with the, for the one with faith, Jesus says, I am listening. And so the man has finally, again, stopped wishing, and now he can finally pray because he's been given this word from Jesus. And so he goes to Jesus now, and he looks at him and says the most honest, true prayer that's ever prayed in the whole Bible. I believe. Help my unbelief. This man's saying it this way, that it's in my trials with my son suffering and the devil attacking Help me, to use the language from Paul, help me to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth that is the love of Christ. See, he was so focused on the problem, he was so focused on the circumstances that he couldn't focus on the God that he was speaking to in that moment. He couldn't focus on the Jesus who was there to help him. So Jesus had to give him the faith to pray. Now, we're going we're gonna to look deeper probably at this text in, in a number of months. It comes up later on in the lectionary, so I don't want to dive too deep into it here uh, today. But nonetheless, I think that this account of this father going to Jesus is very illustrative for us. It's a very helpful text for us to think about how it is that we tend to pray. Because I think like this father, very often our prayers are distracted from Jesus and filled with more doubt than they need to be. When we go to Jesus in prayer, far too often we're distracted, and we're distracted by two things. One, by our circumstances, and two, by what the devil is doing. First, our circumstances are our problems. And it's funny to say it this way, I think, uh, that our, our, our circumstances are our problems distract us in prayer. Because generally, I think that we believe the reason we pray is because of our circumstances, because of our problems. 
That's where the focus needs to be in prayer and not on Christ. But you see, this was the father's problem. He didn't trust Jesus because all he saw was something, a legitimately massive problem as his demon-possessed son is writhing on the ground. And as I mentioned earlier, he figured it was too much for Christ. We do this. We think that if we have problems, if we experience problems that are too much for us to handle, we're figured they must be too much for Jesus as well. And so we take our problems to Jesus, and we demand that he fix them, but if the problem persists, we assume he either doesn't love us, the prayer isn't working, he's not listening, that something is wrong here, and maybe we need to find another option. Before we move on from that point, it is worth remembering that when we come into this life, Jesus has never promised us that we would have a problem-free life. He said this a number of times, but Jesus says quite the opposite, doesn't he? In this world, he says, you will have trouble. Now, take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. But nonetheless, don't think that you are going to live this prized and privileged existence with no problems because you have Jesus. And you just run to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, fix all my problems, take this away, and then he's just going to do it. It doesn't work that way. And in fact, we might even say it's tempting God when we go to him and we say, unless you give me what I want, I won't trust you. Now, it's worth remembering that we are taught to pray, not just that all of our problems would go away, but from the place of having problems. It is really worth noting this, I think, today. As Paul writes this prayer to the Ephesians, he's not sitting in a comfortable mansion on a hill watching the sunset. He's in prison. And he's writing to a church that lives in a culture that hates them, that despises the preaching of the word, and violently opposes the gathering of the saints. And so what Paul is doing for us today is he is teaching us to pray from the place of trial and temptation. Not to naively pray that just all of our problems would go away, but rather he's teaching us how to pray and fix our eyes on Jesus even while the problems persist. The focus not so much on the demand that we want to make of God, but on what God has already given us in Christ. See, what Jesus showed that man and what Paul demonstrates for us today is that in our suffering and in our trial, the primary thing we are to pray for for our faith to be fixed on Jesus and not to waver, as our faith is so prone to do. You see, trials are hard and we are weak. So yeah, we can pray for the sickness to go away. We can pray for the job situation to improve. We can pray for these things, and we should pray for these things. But we're also primarily called for, to pray that God's will would be done for us. And what is his will? That our faith would be in his dear son no matter our circumstances. We're praying that no matter how difficult or painful or hard it gets, that our faith would not be taken away and we would not be taken into unbelief. And the reality is very often our trials tempt us to do that. And in fact, this becomes the second big issue that we have to face, the second distraction uh, when it comes to our prayers, and that's the work of the devil. Because the devil loves to take our difficulties, he loves to take our circumstances, and he loves to twist them into lies for us. He loves to take our circumstances and say things like, look, if you had this problem, you see this cancer, you see this joblessness, you see this culture falling apart around you so that your grandkids have no hope, you see all of this? All that it means is that God has left you. All of it means is that God isn't listening to your prayers and he won't answer you anymore. And you know what? It just might be your fault, because after all, the devil is an accuser. 
He says, it might be your fault. You're too sinful for him to listen to you. Perhaps he doesn't really care about you at all. Perhaps he's too busy. The devil would come along and have you believe that you need to impress God if you're going to want him to listen to you. And you know what the devil will say? He's not impressed with you anyways, and he never will be because he doesn't care for you that much at all. Paul prays directly against such lies. He prays that no matter your circumstances, no matter how bad it is, no matter how painful and agonizing it is, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith. And that the Holy Spirit would strengthen you in your inner being because you know it as well as I do, we don't have enough strength on our own. And that even as our body and our life and our emotions and our relationships and all of these things are struggling and under attack, we are praying that God would silence the lies of the devil in our circumstances. And that, we would, that God would use even the worst of our circumstances to help us know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. And what is interesting to me, anyways, is that when we pray for this, when we pray for God to fill us with the fullness of Christ, when we pray for God to grant us His Holy Spirit to strengthen us to face the days ahead, He does answer this prayer for us in almost the most surprising and foolish kind of way, by sending us his word, by giving us a sermon on a Sunday morning, or a brother or sister in Christ who comes alongside of us, speaks a word of encouragement, speaks a word of love to us. You have the devil weighing on your conscience, you have your circumstances falling apart all around you. And then comes that still, small voice that speaks directly into your ear from the lips of another. Word that speaks to you even now, this morning, in the midst of your circumstances. The word that says, Jesus shed his blood for you. And he won't, he wouldn't let death have the last word over you, and he will not allow this circumstance or this trial to overwhelm you. He is your strength, he is your shield, and he is your God who will not let anything in all of creation separate you from his love. Not even this. You are baptized. You are the beloved child of God. You are forgiven and free. And through the shed blood of Christ, you are welcomed into the presence of the Father now and forever. And so we pray. We pray for faith. We pray for health and we pray for healing and we pray for these things. And it's important. They're daily bread prayers that we should pray for. But no matter our circumstances, we pray for God to do what he has already promised us, to be with us, to never leave us, to never forsake us. As Paul tells us today, when we pray for faith, our Father does for us far more abundantly than all we could ask or think. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you give us your grace and you answer our prayer. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pray. You would teach us to trust in you. And Lord, as we face the, the really difficult and harsh realities of life all around us, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, to see all of them in the light of the promise that our sins are forgiven, that our death is conquered, and life is secure with you. Lord, grant us strength by the power of your word to face the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.